What's up, guys? Welcome to our show. Today we discuss more about SEO and Google updates, how it's going on, how to lead them, how to learn more about that, how many times it happens. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Taylor Kurtz. How are you? I'm doing very well, very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, for me, it's a big pleasure. I love learning more about uh, SEO, about marketing, about updates, because I know that SEO is a quickly changing world. Before we start, I'd like to thank you, our sponsor, C-Ranking, a top-related all-in-one SEO platform. I like C-Ranking for their very accurate trend tracker tool, which shows your daily rankings in for your website in five search engines for any location, device, and language. You can monitor Google Maps results and 35 search features for every keyword. And much more, just Google C-Ranking Rent Tracker and get 40 days for free. Taylor, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about Google updates and recent changes. Sure, absolutely. So again, my name is Taylor Kurtz, and I run a company called Crush the Rankings. And we really we we started business around four years ago, and I've been doing SEO for close to eight years now, I would say. And uh, I have a sports background. I'm very competitive. So when I heard about SEO, the thought of like competing to get to that top spot was very appealing to me. And so uh, I just dove in head first and I've really embraced search engine optimization. It's become a big time passion of mine. And uh, I'm very fortunate, you know, to be able to write for certain publications, search engine land. I get to speak at you know, digital summits. And I'm very fortunate that, uh, you know, I've taken this very seriously and dove head first in and it's, it's worked out pretty well for me thus far. Uh, so it, that's a little bit about me. And then uh, of course, part of being, you know, exclusively focused on SEOs, obviously, on a day-to-day basis, keeping up with what Google's doing. Nice, nice. Yeah, by the way, I found your articles on Church Engine Journal. So, yeah, uh, I, I hope you can find time to write for my course as well, because, yeah, sure. uh, many great things are coming in this course. Uh, many great speakers will share their uh, tips. Okay, let's talk about, yeah, about SEO. Uh, you know, um, I remember uh, when I started my SEO journey, uh, I used uh, two approaches. Uh, I created uh, content for the sake of Google and I bought more backlinks that my competitors had. Google ranked my website well, uh, but things change uh, many times. And today I think more about user experience, about satisfying their intent, about uh, using whitehead link building. Can you tell from your experience how to update SEO skills because many things are coming. We need to consider them. But from your experience, what to do to update skills today? Yeah, I think kind of what you mentioned in that, uh, you know, in the past, you could do certain things like just trying to have the most backlinks or, as you mentioned, writing content kind of specifically intended to rank for search engines and it would have success with that. Um, but that's really no longer the case. In fact, in Well, in 2019, Google put out in August, they put out an article about how to recover from core algorithm updates. And the number one focus in that article was to talk about content and to focus on content and not just having content, but the quality of your content. Essentially, you know, is it authoritative? Are you just regurgitating someone else's article? Like how valuable and original and on an expertise level is this content? And that's what you should focus on for algorithm updates. Uh, So that was three years ago. And then almost three years to the date last month, Google releases an algorithm update called the helpful content update, which almost, almost verbatim 
or reiterates the points made in that 2019 article where they're basically saying, we are now starting to penalize websites starting in August of 2022, penalizing websites where we feel the content is not helpful. Now it doesn't really give examples of what helpful content is, but it talks about, you know, does it promise to answer a question and not necessarily answer it? Is the headline misleading? Or you're reading about something and feel you need to leave the page to find more information. And most importantly, were your articles written for search engines rather than for people, which we as SEOs know that is a very common technique. So when Google put out this update, what was really unique about it last month was a lot of times when an update is put out, it'll affect, you know, let's just say in this case, the helpful content update. In the past, Google will say, okay, page X is not helpful in our eyes and we're gonna lower it in the search results. Now with this update, which uh, is Google saying is a site-wide update, meaning if we determine that you have enough content on your site that's not helpful, we will drop your entire site in the rankings. Um, so basically when it comes circling back to your question, like what can SEOs do now to kind of keep up with these changes that Google's doing, it's really not much change. Like, of course, like I said, like in 2019, Google told us what to do for this update they did last year. Like the, the, the thought behind it has never changed. What you want to be doing is producing content that not only portrays your authority in that subject matter, but that also provides value to the user, answers questions that they want to know, you know, make sure that if there's a topic on the page that you don't dig deep into on that page, it's a link to where they can go find more information. And kind of, as you mentioned, putting a lot more emphasis these days, Google is on the user experience, not just through tremendous emphasis on content and now quality of content, but also user experience, as you mentioned in the imp implementation last year of the core vital metrics. So yeah, Google, I would say really, and I always want to preach this whenever I'm speaking or just talking to anyone that uh, as cliche as it sounds, content is king so content and user experience really reign supreme and should be where as an seo in my opinion you're putting your focus yeah love it love it yeah i agree with that completely can you tell about uh, finding the right uh, copywriter who can create such content or write text because for example uh, i often cooperate with companies that uh, can sell like a million uh, a lot a lot but uh, when i tell them uh, you need to create high quality, valuable content, they replied to me, we have no experience with that. We need right. to compete with uh, our competitors, develop, innovate our products. Uh, can you find a responsible copywriter or content creator who can create this content from your experience? How to find? Because, you know, many years ago, I just uh, opened Upwork many other websites, uh, found copywriters with good rating and uh, hired them. That's it, you know, nothing special. Today, uh, I'm looking for experts. From your experience, how to find responsible copywriters? So I'm kind of fortunate. Uh, I didn't mention, but in my background, before I started working in SEO, my background was in law. So I worked in a law office. And of course, you know, we would always have law clerks, students in law school who are just working for experience going on to become attorneys and things like that. So when I first started this company, Crushed Rankings, most of my clients in SEO were legal clients. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, I could easily write an article for you about, let's just say driving under the influence, what it means, what kind of punishment there is, et cetera, et cetera. But in order to really get that like expert viewpoint, 
when it came to attorneys, what I would do is I began hiring law clerks to write the content. So they're not necessarily attorneys. Like you're not going to pay an attorney's rate. I would typically pay them X amount of cents per word or however it works out. But that way, you know, I could get it with an attorney who often or an aspiring attorney. So they have the legal background, they're learning it. And it's a win-win because they're getting to dig deeper into a subject and learn more about it. And we're getting that real expertise legal view rather than just a copywriter with no, you know, maybe in this case, this attorney was in Florida in the United States. You know, you can't necessarily have a copywriter in another state or country unfamiliar with the Florida bar, the rules that govern these attorneys, what they can and can't say. So for me, when it came to attorneys, that was a huge resource to me. And I would really recommend it. Like I definitely had instances where I reach out. So let's just say I have a client in uh, Kentucky and I'll reach out to the University of Kentucky Law School, for example, wherever it may be about, hey, I have a paying gig for people looking to write on the law. So that I, so when it comes to legal clients, I've gone directly as law clerks. That's been a big, a big source of mine. But it is super challenging. Like, for instance, if you have a client that's a doctor, you know, their job is to be a doctor. They can't necessarily commit hours to just writing content that you tell them to write about. Um, so a lot of times, you know, I wish I could give a better answer about sourcing copywriters, but a lot of times it's just been word of mouth. I've reached out to people who I know in the same realm as me, they produce content or are responsible for strategizing content. And I'll say, do you have any writers available? But what I do, what I really emphasize is because like I said, when it comes to this content, we don't want to just write articles to write them. We want them to be quality, helpful, add value that maybe your competitors don't have on their competing pages. So a lot of times I'll be very clear with the client, whatever their industry may be, look, you're the expert at this. So what we will do is we are going to write on these topics that you've approved and we're going to do it to the best of our ability. But at the end of the day, you do need to take some time to review this and make sure a, you know, in the case of law, are these, is this factually correct? You know, does this reflect the voice of your company? Uh, does this more importantly, display the expertise you have did we leave anything out is anything inaccurate etc cetera, etc cetera. so i don't necessarily have a great answer unfortunately i wish i did for how to find elite copywriters but i've typically been word of mouth but when it's not when they're not experts in their field themselves i always need feedback and input from those that are experts um but again if you have clients that are attorneys highly recommend looking into law clerks because uh, they're typically you know hungry college kids as well a few extra uh, a, few, a little extra money in their pocket doesn't hurt. And then you get that kind of quality content you're looking for, hopefully. Nice, nice. Yeah, love it. Uh, okay, uh, let's talk about uh, the article that I shared in the comments. Uh, uh, guys, if you listen on audio podcast, you can uh, find uh, this article in the description. And uh, you shared about web yeah. hosting. Uh, can you tell more about uh, this article? Uh, that's great article because... Uh, I see when webmasters uh, save money with web hosting, uh, they are looking for cheap solutions uh, compared by prices. For me, it's not a good idea uh, it, because you can save like a few hundred uh, dollars probably uh, for, uh, for per year, but you can lose a lot more when your page is loading. Uh, loading is low. Uh, Google can uh, disrank this content. Can you tell your experience how to find the right web hosting and why uh, it's important most definitely i would say that this like when it comes to search engine optimization i am a stickler on speed 
Because that's mm-hmm. something we have control over. When Google makes these changes, there's a lot of, like, we can't necessarily have any control over whether Google will de- determine this is helpful content. We think it's helpful, but they may have a whole another definition of that. So when it comes to things that Google has said, for instance, speed, here's what your core vitals need to be. Your mobile website needs to load in two seconds or less. When we have those targets, now it's something we have control over. So I'm a huge stickler for speed. And so I'm constantly checking client speed. It's one of the first things I look at with new clients and how to get it where we want. And one thing I always or often have noticed, especially like smaller, smaller businesses for sure, um, is that, like you said, they'll just, they don't know what makes a good web host or what makes a bad web host. I don't necessarily want to speak poorly of anybody, but they may just say, oh, I've heard of GoDaddy. Go ahead and host our website. When in reality, I'm going to turn around the moment we meet and say, please, please, please get off of GoDaddy. You know, and no, no offense to GoDaddy, they do tremendous services. But when, you're, when it comes to SEO, every millisecond counts. Genuinely, every millisecond counts, especially on mobile. And so a lot of times I'll run reports on client speed and see it's not good or not where we want to be. And when you kind of look at the elements loading, you'll notice like essentially when you have a good ho- a host, all that is is when I enter the website, it needs to connect to the, like we basically just need the host to say hello back. And mm-hmm. that should happen pretty quickly. And in some instances, such as GoDaddy or, you know, I've seen some where people like MomWebs, I believe it was called. Just I have no idea where these hosting companies are, but they'll be like $3.99 a month. Like, I don't know. With hosting, you get what you pay for, in my opinion. And so the issue with that is, okay, if it's taking 750 milliseconds to a second to connect to the host, and I need this whole site to load in under two seconds. You've already eaten up half of that just waiting for the host to say hello back. And that's something that is going to could be across the board. It's going to affect every page on your site. It's going to affect mobile. It's going to affect desktop. It's going to affect everything on your site. And so, yeah, you may be paying five bucks a month for hosting, but then you're paying X amount of dollars for SEO. You're, you're trying to do all these things and essentially you're trying to drive the nicest Lamborghini on earth and put really old, terrible gas in it because it's cheaper. But you spent mm-hmm. all that money on the car, in this case, the website. Like you invested time, energy, resources into this website. And this is something that's going to hold it back regardless. So like I'm a, like, for instance, WordPress. My absolute favorite hosting is WP Engine. I think from a security standpoint, really, really good. Performance, really, 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 really good. Uh, in terms of just speed and everything, daily backup, security certificate. And it's super reasonable. I think it's like $25 a month or something, which let's be real. Okay, yeah, maybe you're paying $5 a month and you're wondering why am I now paying 500 times that amount? But at the same time, how much are you paying for these rankings where you're not ranking where you should be because this is holding you back? So that extra 25 a month, will likely pay dividends just beyond how fast your website loads because Google will recognize this is a much better user experience and you'll be rewarded mm-hmm. for that. So when it comes to hosting, that's a super easy win. And it's really not something to break the bank. I mean, you pay for the year up front and it'll often be like yeah. 200, 250 bucks. So, and, it, and it's worth it because if you don't, you have the opportunity of losing much more than that in missed opportunities in the search results. So I think that that's a really easy win is just having a good web host. It also, like I said, you can sleep easy at night knowing 
you know, uh, the security is good. C customer service is good. If the website were to go down, they, you know, I want someone with 24 seven customer service to help me get it back immediately. Uh, in the case of WP engine, I want someone with daily backup. So if the website goes down, I can restore it immediately. Uh, things like that. So those are really the big things I look for when it comes to a host, but it is super important. And, uh, yeah, thanks for your kind words on my article. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, I remember when uh, my websites were hacked two times, I lost a lot of traffic, a lot of revenue. One project, by the way, I uh, quit with this project because I couldn't recover from this hacking attack. Uh, that was in Christmas days when we sold a lot more, uh, almost everything, and our website didn't work for 10 days <laughs> yeah we, we got a lot of uh, store with products that people can buy only on christmas and new year so yeah <laughs> that was a big issue yeah and uh, i got experience uh, about that it's better to pay for prevention than uh treatment Recovery. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and not Recovery. only that especially if you're someone that like an e-commerce company or anyone that accepts payments or personal information like that's a, something where you should spare no expense when it comes to security, because obviously, you know, mm -hmm. personal information gets out there because of you that you're now liable for certain things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not about even Google, uh, because uh, according to a few studies, uh, for each uh, loading second, uh, websites can lose like from 8 to 20 percent conversion rate. It's a lot, you know, uh, each uh, second. So you can save like $20, but you can lose $1,000 with that. So, yeah. And I actually, when I speak and do a presentation, I have a slide on there that references a study that shows uh, like a natural 0.1 second increase on mobile speed for this e-commerce site in the study. That 0.1 second increase in the study led to over a 9% increase in conversions. Like the value of the orders was up over 8%. So it's like very small, because especially if it involves money. Like I said, it doesn't even have to do with Google. If I'm on a website and I'm supposed to be putting in my credit card information and it's taking like a little too long to load or it's loading funny, now all of a sudden I'm questioning like, is, is this a safe place to even give my information? I'm, I'm going to buy it somewhere else. So yeah, yeah. just very important. Okay, let's talk about this helpful update. Uh, for example, um, if a website has a lot of uh, obsolete pages, uh, and it's hard to update all of them. I know it's important to update, but uh, when they have limited resources, uh, what is your advice with uh, these pages? For example, let's imagine like a few hundred pages and uh, resources, we have resources to update uh, only 50 pages. What to do with the rest pages? Uh, your, uh, the best practices about that. So if you only, if you have, let's say 200 pages and you have the resources to update 50 of them. My number one tool I would likely use would be like Google search console. And over mm -hmm. a period of time, I would look at what pages are doing well. And maybe with this helpful content update are not doing so well, like maybe, but beforehand they were generating good traffic. And those are the ones that I would focus on based on which one's got the most traffic on updating. If they, if it appears they've lost traffic, but another thing and John Mueller, excuse me, John Mueller, the Google search liaison, mm -hmm. he's even said, you know, those extra 150 pages that we've just deemed they're thin, they're not helpful. Really, you could do a couple of things. If you think that they're valuable to your user, like somebody might want to read it and find it, even if not through Google, 
then you could simply no index the page. So it's no longer being crawled by Google. It's no longer really being factored into your cache, I guess you would say, of pages. So in theory, yeah, you could go through. And if you have 100 pages that add little to no value, no index all of them. However, if you feel that they don't have any value, uh, it's an article referencing things from 2017 that are no longer relevant, you can always remove the page and then redirect it either to a more recent article or something like that. But those are the two tasks for with limited resources. Those are the two easiest things I would say is identify pages that over time have generated little to no clicks, little to no impressions and go ahead and decide are these pages that are valuable? What, what do we want to do with them? And then you can really, like I said, no index them. If you do feel they have a place on the website or just remove them altogether and point them somewhere more current, uh, so if the user does end there, it points them somewhere more helpful. But those would be my, my two suggestions. And even if you had unlimited resources, like a lot of pages aren't necessarily worth rewriting. Like, again, if I'm a lawyer and I have an article about changes in the law from 2016, I may go ahead and just remove that page and either write an article about changes in the law in 2022 or redirect it elsewhere. So that, that's the kind of what I would say is like you don't even need it's important to constantly evaluate your content. Like if you have pages that are just not ever getting clicks, you need to look at them and decide like, is this a topic that I really want to push? Should I be looking to improve this to generate clicks? Or is this just something I don't really see doing anything? Because like I said, you don't want, Google has not set out and said, this is the ratio of helpful to unhelpful that will get you penalized. But at the same time, update or not, you should always want to maximize the value of your website and not dilute it with content. That's really just not getting visitors and just sitting there. Um, mm -hmm. So those would be my two suggestions. If you are limited in resources, you could just exclude those pages that you feel are thin or weak from the search results, or you could go ahead and rework them if you have the resources, or you could just redirect them to something more, more recent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, valuable. Love it. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, creating content strategy. Uh, you know, I see when we masters open C-Ranking, Ahrefs, SEMrush, many other great tools, and they uh, type their keyword, get a list of keywords, a huge list of keywords, and they want to get all of them. They see volume, okay, I'll take all of them, but uh, it's hard, as we mentioned about uh, limited resources, many other things. Uh, can you tell how to find the right strategy, especially when we have huge competition, Wikipedia, Amazon, many other websites, right. uh, your suggestions, how to do it. So I kind of think of it all as like a pyramid or a silo and also like very much a snowball effect from mm -hmm. the standpoint of let's just say, okay, um, what's like a competitive term we may want to rank for. We'll just say, uh, give me anything that might be competitive. That'd be hard. Bro. Weight loss. Okay. Weight loss. Weight loss. So it would be very, 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 very challenging to rank number one for weight loss. You're going to be competing with Mayo Clinic, WebMD, you know, the Atkins yeah. diet and all that kind of stuff, major players. So what I'll do is, and you mentioned number of tools and they're all great. Uh, but for the sake of this discussion, I'll say SEMrush. So SEMrush, I could either use their keyword research tool or they also have a really, really helpful topic research tool. Um, but what I like to do is, okay, knowing weight loss is going to be very hard to rank number one for, I still want to be an expert in that field. And so if my end goal is to rank at or near the top of weight loss, that's going to take time. 
So my essential thing is I will go do topic research in SEMrush and other places. You can look at people also ask on Google. You can use a website called Answer the Public, any of those things. But I target questions. And the reason is because while it may take a very long time to convince Google that I am the foremost expert in weight loss, I could certainly find questions people are asking and answer it better than anyone. And so the goal being, in this case, I would Google weight loss. I would put together a list of however many, it could be 10, it could be 100, of the most frequently asked weight loss questions. And I very rarely put any weight into the volume of searches because I want to answer them all. Because the goal is, when it comes to weight loss, I'm kind of the new kid on the block here. And you've got all these established players. And so what I'm trying to do is, while I can't necessarily get to the top for weight loss, I can start answering these specific questions. And you can do it in a number of ways. You could have a specific FAQ page that thoroughly addresses each of those questions. What I like to do, if the resources are available, is take each FAQ question and produce an article about it, answering it absolutely as thoroughly as possible. And look at you know whatever question you're trying to answer, Go in incognito and conduct searches and see what's ranking number one, two, three, et cetera for those. What information is on those pages? Is there anything that they're sharing that my page misses? Is there anything that their page is lacking? Like you want to have it where your page is not only the best of all of those that are ranking, but you have your own additional value added as well. With the goal being that if I take over time 10, 15, 20 and work my way up on these different weight loss FAQ, eventually I will be able to rank number one for those specific questions. And the big goal being, I might be able to get the featured snippet for those specific questions. And that's the real reward because other people will still continue to write about weight loss. So if I can show up at the top for these very specific questions, these low hanging fruit, when other people write about that, they will cite back to you as the source of information. And now you're naturally getting backlinks. And the whole time, like I mentioned, it's a silo. The, or snowball. The snowball is now starting to roll with the whole purpose being, I may not rank number one for weight loss, but I'm starting to rank number one for weight loss related queries. And I'm showing that I am in fact an expert and an authority on this topic. So as the snowball starts getting bigger and bigger, more people are linking back to you because you know when they search a question, you're at the top or you're at the featured snippet. And now your whole website is starting to gain kind of authority and trust in this area. So again, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you need to have strong backlinks, all those kind of things. But that's when you might be able to start approaching that front page for weight loss specifically. Obviously, I'd want my whole homepage to be about weight loss, H1 with weight loss, all that. But that's how I kind of go and cannibalize those smaller keywords because I'm just trying to tell Google, look, I may not rank number one, but I deserve to be looked at, and I am an expert in this. And as that starts to kind of be recognized, weight loss terms in general, you will start to appear more and more and more for. So that's a big, big part of all my content strategies is questions. Because it's, you know, like I said, we can infer based on our own user behavior what someone may search for weight loss or whatever that topic may be. But using other tools to identify, here's what people are asking or just provide questions that I may not have thought of, things of that nature, and then answering them to the absolute best of our ability, leaving no stone unturned. That is ba- that's really the backbone to most of my SEO strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about, you mentioned many times about expertise. Uh, can you tell how to give a solid reason to Google uh, that you are an expert in some specific niche? For example, 
if I open your article on search engine land, I know you are expert because I can get this uh, stuff. But uh, many, okay. uh, many, many uh, masters have no experience to share their uh, articles on uh, recognizable resources, uh, mm-hmm. but they know the topic. Uh, they pay attention to some other directions. Can you tell about EAT, how to increase this uh, parameter? Because we have no Discord, like we have Discord keyword difficulty, cost per click, many other, but we have no Discord about EAT. From your experience, how to measure it and how to show Google that you are an expert in one specific niche? That's very tough, you know, because you could write an article about, you know, uh, root canals and then just say this article was written by Dr. Whoever. And that doesn't in itself make it an expert article. So and it is hard because, like I said, Google does not provide an article and say, here's a helpful article. Here's an unhelpful article. And so the goal at the end of the day is kind of back to what I was saying is just building that authority and building that trust. So. For instance, when it comes to weight loss, there's going to be a lot of articles just saying the same thing, repeating each other in different ways, et cetera, et cetera. So our goal is obviously we're going to have some overlap because it's fact in this case of weight loss, it's scientific, it's factual, but we want to have our own experience on it. So if you're simply just stating broad facts, things that are well known without kind of adding your own, here's my experience or here's an example, things like this, that's where you really kind of get to separate yourself. But like I said, that is hard, especially if you're a new website where, for instance, oh, excuse me, where, for instance, mm-hmm. a, 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 like I said, those established websites could have thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of backlinks. And that's where you get a lot of trust, really. You know, if I'm a website and I, I'm a doctor and I have WebMD or Mayo Clinic or any of those high authority things linking back to me, it automatically builds my trust. And so I just think, again, it sounds so cliche. But when it, if I want to build my authority, I'm again going to be focusing on content because there's no way like you can't call Google and send them your medical license and say, hey, I'm a doctor, rank my stuff high, I'm an expert. So it really comes down to every time when Google crawls your website, are they finding additional value? Are they finding information that is helpful beyond regurgitating what the rest of the search results say? And, I, and to me, that's it. Just be original. You don't want, you know, and you don't want a reason where people read your article and then leave it to go find more information elsewhere. It really comes down to that theme of just leave no stone unturned. And if you are an expert in something, just convey that expertise. You know, if I'm an expert in divorce law, I'm not just going to have one page on divorce law. I'll have a page on basically every question someone going through a divorce could ask. Like, that's really my strategy is. If anyone wants to know anything about this topic, especially in my area, I want to be what shows up. And so while for weight loss, again, that'll be hard, I can start showing up ahead of time for those other things. And just doing that will build, and that's been my experience for just building authority and trust. Because again, if you're writing good content, you'll get natural backlinks. Like people looking for information you provide will cite back to you. And that's more valuable than any you know, link scheme or anything like that someone could do these days. Natural yeah, organic I, backlinks. Uh, you mentioned a few times about uh, natural backlinks. Can you tell more about that? How to get them? Because, uh, yeah, uh, for example, um, I see when uh, the last time many marketing experts tell they don't do any link building. Uh, but many others can tell, no, no way, without links you can't go ahead. 
Uh, I check out a few key studies, uh, websites that get a lot of traffic without backlinks, without uh, building backlinks, but they get them naturally that you mentioned a few times. Uh, that means you can create linkable content. Can you tell uh, how to find the balance between link building or uh, creating content without uh, providing link building campaigns? Yeah, so you really kind of spoke, I, I hate link building. Like it's a part of what you have to do, but I hate it. But what's really helpful is essentially the fact that uh, it's quality, you, like when it comes to backlinks, we want quality over quantity. I would mm -hmm. rather have one backlink from a .gov or a .edu than 50 backlinks from random blogs no one's heard of. Because that, if you know, if you have a trusted website linking to you, that passes that trust along to an extent that trust. So when it comes to writing content, I have never written it with the intention or assigned it to be written or been involved with it to the extent that we want to produce links. It's under with the understanding that you know, whatever our topic is, if we cover it as thoroughly as possible, people will find that and link to it. Just because, just like us, if I'm writing about weight loss and somewhere in the article I say, according to WebMD, I'm going to link back to WebMD. Boom, backlink for WebMD, not that they care, uh, really. But uh, at the same time, if someone's reading something, they'll say, you know, according to blank website, linking to our website, because we're now that source of information. So that is the way I've always pursued backlinks organically was just kind of never push the matter that being said there's a lot of instances where i do reach out or specifically go after backlinks you know if you have four or five really high power competitors i'll definitely run an, a backlink gap analysis and see okay what links do they have that we do not and then what i'll do is i'll sort it by the most valuable essentially the highest authority and find the ones that we don't have are these relevant did they just sign up for some spam listing like is this a niche directory I should be a part of? And then it, for those kind of sakes, I will go pursue links. Um, but very often, I just discourage paying for links. Uh, if it's relevant and accessible, I'll certainly you know pursue it. But I don't think people should be paying to be in all these directories. It's a little bit different if you're a local business. Like I think you should you know have listings in the yellow pages and things like that with your address and phone number, just to kind of have that continuity for the name, address, and phone. But I don't think you need to necessarily, it sounds so crazy because you need backlinks to be successful to an extent, especially if there's mm -hmm. competition, but I'm not one to go out there and necessarily pursue a bunch of backlinks. Like I'll make a list of like, here's a lot of ones our competitors have that would be valuable for us and try and get those. But otherwise, like I said, my goal is always just content. I make sure in speed, like I said, I'm a stickler. I want the site to load well. Everything user experience needs to be on point. And that's one less thing we have to worry about. And now we just focus on providing the best user experience and content and those helpful information. And if you do that, I mean, maybe I've just been very fortunate, but by just focusing on the user experience and content, I've really found the rest to an extent really take care of itself. Nice. Like people yeah, want, yeah. people want, people don't want to write something and source out to something that's not credible or not valuable or, or trustworthy. So if you're providing that content, people will link to you. And that's just where we've had the absolute best, best luck. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. for instance, we've had it where like, you'll write an article and then a news station will pick it up a quote from your article or something like, so which is a great natural backlink, but that's what it is. Like, I think that anytime you're, you're writing something with the intent of getting backlinks or with the intent of, 
I mean, my goal is always for the content to rank high, but the bottom line is for it to rank high because it's the most helpful, not because it's like optimized the best or the right keywords, the right word counts or anything like that. I think that's the biggest shift for Google. I'd say over the last 10 years is before, you know, it was keywords, it was backlinks, things like that. And now it's so much more of the user experience and yeah, key. I mean, you want to include your keywords, but they're, they're less and less important. I would say not so much for like, they're important for what people are searching, but you don't need to include them nearly as much in your content. Like it just wants to be natural quality again, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Which is okay, redundant. Uh, I wish I could give more specific answers. Uh, Google doesn't give too much information either, but again, when it, if you work with me or you talk to me, I'm surely going to bring up content a lot. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Uh, um, let's imagine you have no experience. You started from scratch. Uh, you didn't write articles for search engine land, anything. What will you do to learn more about SEO today? So what I did when I learned, I would do the same thing I did do, um, which is I read blog. Well, so the number one source of information for me is Twitter. And it's just because these people that you see, whether it's me, other individuals that write these blogs that we read for news, before they write a whole article, they're going to put out a 60 character tweet or whatever. So it's like really for knowing what's going on up to the minute, Twitter is very good. Uh, if that's already, if you're already in SEO, I guess want to stay on top of things. Now, if you just want to learn what I did was three things. I just read, 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 read. I went to different websites, search engine land, search engine journal, arguably my favorite search engine round table uh, run by Barry Schwartz, who I have great respect and admiration for, but I would go to these websites. Well, when I was first starting, I would go just because they had helpful, like glossary of terms to know uh, the SEO dictionary, just kind of getting the fundamentals, like what is a backlink, like examples of that, et cetera, et cetera. So reading these blogs, these those are my three main sources of really learning. And then the, the second thing I did, which might not be for everyone, but I started attending like SEO specific conferences, not necessarily digital marketing conferences, but SEO, because I... I can get the basic stuff off the internet, you know, but if I really want to get it to the nitty gritty, I wanted to hear and see the experts, meet them face to face, ask my questions, things like that. So I went to conferences for about a year, but the number one thing that helped me the most with learning SEO was having a guinea pig website. That was the absolute best thing to happen to me in, in regards to that. And so like I mentioned at the time I was working in a law office, he asked me to learn SEO and take over his website. And I did. And he was very trusting. He said, you know, if you make a mistake, just tell me it's fine. So I kind mm -hmm. of had like, he put his you know, take initiative was basically what I was told. And so if I read something or I was looking like this might work or this would be better, I could implement it on his site and see how it improved. Whereas if you're just reading these articles and then you go apply for a job as an SEO or get a client, like now they're the guinea pig. And, and you want to obviously have experience in knowing not just what works, but how to implement it, how to check it, things like that, uh, the proper way of doing everything. And so having that guinea pig website was great, but I wasn't really, his website had a lot of uh, juice and authority behind it already. So I wasn't entirely sure if it was necessarily my hard work causing these huge gains we were seeing. So the next thing I did was I just picked a topic I was passionate about, which was like, at this time I was in college. So it was basically like I wanted to create a student survival website for this college town. And I really didn't have any intent. I didn't want to make money. I didn't want to do any of that. The goal was 
A, can I rank for these terms starting a website from scratch? And B, can I outrank the university that's here? That was like my thing. So like, for instance, if I wanted to rank for, in this case, Florida State University, Florida State University Fraternity Houses, I wanted to rank number one for that over the university's listing, over all that. So I just created a website. I did it focused on user experience. I'm a student. What kind of stuff do I want to know? And I want to know where to get cheap food, drink specials, what events are going on, uh, resources that are available to me, all that. So I just built out this website. I think I originally built it on Wix. And then I later moved it over to WordPress. And now, I mean, I don't check it. I really don't do anything with it other than renew the domain. But it gets significant traffic and ranks number one for most of the terms I ever set it for it. But that being said, I was able to make that happen because I had the trust of someone I had a website to put, put it to practice. So you can, in your mind, it's just like sports. You can play the play out in your mind a hundred times and assume this is going to happen. This guy's going to do that. So I'll do this, but you never know for sure until it actually happens. So for me, reading these articles just to get my baseline knowledge was incredibly valuable. Then keeping up with those blogs as well as those individuals on Twitter to get more up-to-date knowledge, but then just putting all that knowledge to practice uh on a website those are the and like i said it doesn't have to be a lot man like obviously if it's your first website maybe you don't try and rank number one for for weight loss let's pick something like more reasonable that you're likely to achieve um but that being said like it could be a wix website it could be anything but at least just start getting experience and you know set up a baseline ranking report for those terms you want to rank for and on day one they won't rank and over time, you'll see them start to enter the search results and things like this. And that that was my, and again, a lot of that had to do with the content I put on the website. So it all goes back to that. But that was my biggest thing, man. Just read, reading blogs, reading what the experts and the people that have been like the forefathers of the industry, you could say, the people that have been in this for decades, what they've experienced, and then just practicing it. Like maybe don't practice it on your main source of income. You know, maybe just a side project seeing if, hey, I'm trying this. Let's see if it works. But that's what I would do 100%. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, I, I think uh, uh, you shut my mind, you know, about that. Because uh, uh, I remember when John Mueller uh, uh, shared some tweet that people read a lot of blog posts uh, without practice. You know, uh, you need to act. You need to practice. Uh, of course, it's important to learn, to read. But uh, you need to practice because uh, acting only shows what works. Uh, learning can't help you without practice. And it costs nothing if you do nothing, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. I agree with you. But that yeah. goes with anything. I mean, it sounds cliche, but practice makes perfect. Like, again, yeah. I'm a sports guy. So I could be watching, let's say, soccer. And in my head, me like, man, I would never have done that. Like, this guy stinks. I would have done this. When in reality, I'm sitting on the couch, haven't touched a soccer ball in a decade. And this guy's committed his whole life to it. He's put it to practice. So you can think as much as you want. It'll it'll almost always play out well in your head. But yeah, putting it to practice and learning. Another thing I'll say also is just learning from the failures of others. Uh, yeah. I very much, you know, you can learn what to do from a lot of people. But just from observation, whether it's how they deal with clients, how they communicate, how they implement SEO, certain tactics. You can quickly learn what not to do as well. So I would say be very like mindful of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, love it. Uh, Taylor, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. 
tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you? Sure, definitely. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at real Taylor Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. Uh, email me, taylor at crushtherankings.com or check out our website, crushtherankings.com. But either way, man, even if you just have a question, shoot me over an email. I really like this stuff. I'm here always to help and I want to help people learn. So, you know, if you just have a question or someone said, hey, maybe we should do this, I should get a second opinion. I'm happy to shoot back an email. It's no big deal. Uh, you know, a lot of people in SEO, I guess, would be snake oil salesmen. And so typically, mm -hmm. if I have a new client and they were already doing SEO, they're my client now because they're not happy with what was going on before. And there's already a little bit of skepticism. So mm -hmm. I would just say, you know, it, it's important for me to give back and just answer questions, things like that, because I want to like, not everyone out here is trying to get rich quick. Like I care. I was once told by my mentor to put service above self. And so that's what I try and do is just, I've been very fortunate that my business has grown through word of mouth just because I try to, uh, like I said, learn from the failures of others, how to communicate properly, what works for clients, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be a huge, huge point of emphasis for me, I would say. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, guys, you can find all links uh, to Taylor in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more value. I love it. Guys, you need to follow Taylor. You can see a lot of valuable insights. Reach out to him. Uh, ask anything about SEO and you could get the right answers. Okay, guys, love you. Yes, see sir. you.